I get teased by my wife that I'm a little bit of a long-winded person when I talk about stuff I'm passionate about. So anybody willing to like lend an ear and let me talk about it, I any day of the week I'll have that. Yeah, so. the, the feeling is mutual, man. I'm glad to have you, and uh, it's it's really cool. I've been following your work probably, I guess, right as the pandemic, um, uh, like right before it started, because I, uh, you know, having been friends with. Corey uh, Wolfenbarger, I'd noticed that he had gone out West and you guys had kind of met up uh, to take some photos together. And um, where was that? Like crazy, like, like way West Texas. Yeah. Yeah. So it's uh, the trans Pecos area is, it's kind of your, the only stop and it's not even really a stop. It's off the beaten path a little bit um, on your way to El Paso from like central Texas. Um, and I mean, out there it's, it, it, you can go into big Bend, which is the national park that we have here in Texas and it, it borders Mexico. So you get to see just like how beautiful the landscape is. It's very desert. It's, it's, it's awesome. It's, it's a yeah. different personality than, than anything you get here in Texas uh, or anything in other parts of Texas really. Yeah. And I, and having looked at your work now, like it seems like a lot of your work is kind of based off there and I want to get to that, but let's back up. Tell me about, um, where you're from, kind of how you got into, uh, what it is that you're doing now. Um, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and what is it that you're doing now? Give me a little bit of background on you. Yeah. So I born and raised Texan. Uh, I was born in Houston, but pretty much grew up in the greater Austin area. Um, Went to high school, college here. Spent a little bit of time up in West Texas trying out a, a an art program up there, um, but ultimately found myself back in Austin. Finished up. I studied photojournalism. Um, I kind of fell in love with photography in high school. It was just one of those things to where I was a typical high school boy. I was about girls and sports. And then as I got older into my junior year, I had had some sports injuries that kind of opened my eyes to the idea that like sports are only going to carry me so far and started delving into painting and sculpting and all that stuff. And then they gutted one of our art closets to be turned into a dark room. Well, fast track ended up studying it in college, doing the same dark room stuff there. Um, and then carried that all the way through. And then once I stepped out of college, kind of realized like, Oh, like I, really want to make this like a real thing. Mm. Um, and then through that, and if you have any questions while I'm talking, feel free to like yeah. inter I'll, interject. I'll yeah. <laughs> okay, perfect. Um, and then after that, I stepped out, was like, okay, I want to make this like my career. I, I'm passionate about it. So I'd rather pursue something I'm passionate about as a career. Um, but had no clue what that looked like and was fortunate that I had interned under a wedding photographer and probably spent two years outside of a couple of my own weddings being a glorified second shooter. Um, I, it was great because I had developed enough of, of a relationship with wedding photographers in the Austin area that they trusted me as a second shooter. So I got hired a lot. Um, so I spent a lot of time creating without dealing with the hassle of, um, dealing with clients and all of that stuff. Right. Um, and then taking on some of my own weddings, I just had realized one, it's, that's a tough game to be in. Like I know everybody talks about like, Oh, you can make a lot of money in weddings, which is very true, but it's, there's a lot of challenges to wedding photography that I think get overlooked because people want to say, Oh, like real photographers aren't wedding photographers, which is bull. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I would give a lot of my understanding of how to create like a fast paced, creative, like personality. I give a lot of that to being stuck in wedding situations where the lighting wasn't good. It was fast paced and I had five minutes to create something out of nothing. Yeah. Um, so I give a lot of respect to anybody that is a wedding photographer or started there or whatever. Yeah. Um, but at that point in time, I just realized that really, that wasn't what like my heart and like my drive as a photographer was. Um, and so I got teased a lot about this, but anytime I went, this was when the big third wave coffee boom had happened in Austin and we were actually getting good yeah. coffee shops and all of that. And so I spent a lot of time going to the new shops, just shooting my cappuccino or my Americano sitting on a table with beautiful light coming in the window and kind of had gotten marked as the coffee guy for a while, at least with my friend group. 
um, and realized I really had a knack and loved just food and beverage. Like I liked the idea of taking some inanimate object and creating almost this story behind it, you know, through the scene, through that, that it had been created, like the, the dish that had been created. And so just started shooting with a hospitality group. And then from there shot some editorial pieces. Um, and then have slowly kind of built up work and accreditation to, to shoot with bigger, larger hospitality groups here. Um, and then through that, I think I actually realized how passionate I was about like food and culture um, that, you know, like you and I both know the photography culture is so rich and so beautiful and there's like so much there. That's very similar to how the, the food world is. Um, and it's, it's also a creative medium. Uh, so right, in exactly. saying all that, I, I, up until this point have my, I guess the commercial side of the work that I do is heavily influenced by food and beverage and the, in cultural stuff. Yeah. It's, it's very interesting. You know, the majority of people that I've talked to thus far on this podcast have been people that were, uh, by the way, I love your water, your water cup. Oh yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. It's just like, it's just like a to-go container for people. Exactly. To- <laughs> yeah. I picked it. I picked it up from chefs. They use these like, like plastic to-go containers that are like yeah. microwave safe and all that. And it holds a lot of water and it just, makes it to where I don't have to, you know, have a bunch of dishes to wash and all that. Cause I'm really bad about not reusing glasses. Yeah. And, yeah. Awesome. Well, sorry for the sidetrack. I was just saying that the, you know, the interesting thing about the majority of people that I talk with are people who take photos, they sell prints or they uh, they're doing editorial work, um, you know, th- things like that, but actually talking to people who, uh, do what I do. And that's, you take photos for clients for a living. That's like what you're, that's what your job is. And it's, mm-hmm. it's usually commercial focused, especially right. in the hospitality world. It's all commercial focused. You're in, in many ways, you're, you know, you're doing advertising photography. Uh, you're taking photos for a restaurant so they can sell their food or you're doing a hospitality group, a hotel group, you know, and it's really interesting hearing you talk about food and culture as an art form, because that's something that I feel like I've understood for, you know, a few years and it's really hard to convey that to, uh, to like my family members or like, they're like, Oh, you yeah. just shoot, you shoot food and stuff. It's like, no, yeah. but like to me, like food is, is, is an art form, not just in like how it's presented to people, but it's like, man, food is something that for thousands and thousands of years, people have gathered around. Yeah. And there's just, there's just something special about uh, documenting that and documenting, uh, you know, the way people feel, you know, and I feel like this is a tangential subject, but I feel like the American culture has largely lost in a lot yeah. of ways, that element of gathering around a table, everything is so fast paced. Let's just grab a quick bite. Yeah. But like, if you go to like Italy, uh, France, Mexico, like Spain, the meal, yeah. the meal, the meal is the point. Like that right. is that is the actual stopping point. Yeah. Um, and so I think like getting back to that sense has been what has uh, inspired me to kind of full fledged go toward. Uh, toward food and hearing you talk about it is like it's almost like hearing like a another interpretation of like how I feel about it. So yeah, it, no, it's I get of, it, man. It's surreal uh, for me, but but no, I I totally agree, man. Uh, weddings, you know, it's easy to hate on. You know, no offense to wedding photographers, it's easy to hate on weddings as like your uh, like your job because it has this just as every form of photography has. I feel like weddings have this like uh, not I don't want to say stigma, but Weddings just kind of have this thing to where, oh, you shoot weddings, everybody shoots weddings, you know, everybody, you just, all you have to do is get a Canon and you can shoot weddings. But I'm like you, that's how I started, you know? And when you get released to the wolves and you're just, uh, you're out there and these families are like depending on you to do stuff and like they're asking you questions and you're like, I don't know. <laughs> you know like, yeah. I don't oh, know yeah. where, where the bride needs to be at 4.30, you know, I have yeah. no idea. Um, man, that was so... Uh, monumental for me and getting to where I was confident before these like larger clients mm-hmm. because man, there's, you're handling someone's wedding. That's a, that's a huge deal. Um, yeah. you know, most commercial stuff can be reshot, can be rescheduled, but like weddings are just a, a different beast. And I, I think every photographer should, 
at least shoot experiences. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. It'll, it'll help. It'll, it will change your perspective on like what it means to be, uh, in a high pressure situation. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's not always the norm. You know, if you follow like, uh, guys like Art Stryber or Joey Lawrence, you know, Mm -hmm. you watch their behind the scenes of like these, uh, you know, high dollar productions. And like, if we're just being real, man, like that is just like, that is not what it looks like for me at all. Like for me, I might have an assistant and I'm working really closely with the client and we're just flying by the seat of our pants. We're like, man, we're, we're just trying to but, you know, you watch these other, like, prolific photographers and, like, doing these, like, amazing um, productions. And it's like, man, these guys are in really high-pressure situations. Yeah. You have, like, yeah, yeah, dip- yeah. A diplomat on set or, you know, the creative director for Nat Ge- uh, National Geographic, something like that. Um, weddings are very helpful for getting your mind yeah. ready for that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but you said you, you kind of you studied photojournalism in college. Um, in a time where I feel like that is not the case with many people. Um, what do you think is like the biggest takeaway that you got from that experience? Yeah. So, and I know this is, I know a lot of people have said this before. One, I would say it doesn't take art school to make a good artist. Right. Um, because I don't feel like I necessarily grew my craft in college. Um, all that much. I think so much of the growing that I've, actually had as an actual creative has been in the last five years, just meeting good people, more talented people being like willing enough to ask questions, to learn from them, you know? Um, But I would say my biggest takeaway from that would be learning more about myself and learning how to like handle and navigate understanding my work. So yeah. one of the things that I, it, and it doesn't bother me, but it's, it's a hard uh, kind of being on both sides of the tracks. It's a, an interesting thing to take on is this idea that anybody and everybody can have opinion about a piece of work, which is true. But at the same time, there's, there's different levels of like who matters, you know, um, seeing a lot of these photographers that have heavy followings on YouTube, Instagram, um, different things like that. And watching these people rag on their work or talk about their work in a negative way. And I'm like some random Joe that's frustrated because they can't create the same work will rag on someone else who works hard daily to create that work and has, has honed their craft. Like that gives that, that sense of almost like everybody's entitled to have an opinion. And that's what I loved about art school is that we actually sat in a classroom, you put your work up on a wall And people either loved it or hated it and they could talk about it. And it was it, but it was, it was real and organic because you're sitting there face to face, like you kind of like you and I are right now. And so it's not just one of those, you just haul off and just say something bad or say something good about someone's work. Like it, 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 it was real. It was like sincere. Um, And that's been one of the things I've, I honestly have missed about, um, just that whole atmosphere is like knowing that the work I'm creating will be critiqued and then taking those critiques and using them in some shape, form or fashion to help me grow. Like I had a professor who still to this day I love, and I will always remember this. We were working on a project and I had explained to him the, the number of people that I wanted to document for this project. And he goes, ah, that's a bit ambitious. And he said it in a way that was almost kind of like, Hey, I'm concerned that you're kind of out of your league or you're a little bit in deep water. Um, and that right there, like having that little bit of someone who I kind of looked up to and saw their work and saw what they had created as an artist, um, it helped me be like, you know what? No, like I want to prove them wrong. Um, you know, long story short, I was able to complete the project and, and they were happy with my professor was happy with the work and all of that. But that, that right there is kind of what's helped me in some of the the rougher, less enjoyable parts of being full-time freelance, especially in the commercial world, um, kind of fight through that because, you know, seeing different artists all over the world who are creating amazing work and doing amazing things, like, um, especially with Instagram, you're, you're literally at one button push away from just taking in all this work. Like, it can be overwhelming. Um, but knowing how to, like, knowing who I was and how 
I wanted to grow my work and how I wanted to grow as a person and as an artist. Um, I think personally, a lot of that came from being in a situation in school where the focus that I put into my work was directly being looked at in, in critiqued in all of that stuff. And that helped me develop who I was to feel like more confident going into my day-to-day stuff. So if I did decide to post something that maybe was different or maybe, you know, those kind of things that the criticism was, I like I could take it and I wanted that, you know, I wanted to hear that. And I honestly would wish there was more of that in my life now. Yeah. I was going to ask you, do you feel like, do you feel like the idea of, uh, mentorship or some sort of, um, you know, whenever you, you take a time to, to intern or, you know, you learn apprenticeship, those kinds of things. Do you, do you feel like that has largely been just, um, has disappeared in our world today? Do you feel like that's. I, so I don't think it's disappeared. I think the problem is, is especially with the way that social media paints all of our lives. Um, I think, we have found ourselves in a position to where everything looks like people are doing it on their own. Right. Um, And I think that has caused this sense and need for everybody to feel like they can't lean on others to grow. Um, And so in saying that, like, I, I just think that it's overshadowed by this misinterpretation of what it looks like to be successful. And right now I think, you know, cause it's been amazing to look at artists that I, one love their work and then have learned more about their process and some of the, the, the people that I like lean on for not necessarily like, Oh, we talk a lot, but like watching their work, watching how they handle people, watching how they handle clients, like learning those things about them and then seeing that they have a whole slew of people behind them that are helping their uh, art actually come to life blows my mind. Like, a lot of artists that I like you, you associate their name with an image, but to know that it took 10 people, like prime example, I have no relation to Planton whatsoever. I've just, I've, I've studied his work. I've, I've watched some documentaries on him, but two things that I take away from him is that he has a phenomenal team that helps pretty much helps him curate the experience that is the work that he produces. And then two, he has taken time to learn how to work with human beings. And, mm-hmm. and like you and I were talking about, about the wedding thing is, is you got to learn to work with hard people. Like you got to learn to work with like needy brides or frustrated grooms or bored grooms, you know, those kind of things. Like, and so watching his, watching how he's worked with people. And I mean, this is a guy who's photographed Colin Powell. This is a guy who's photographed all of the different presidents, world right. leaders, you know, um, and he does it in a way that there's so much finesse and so much beauty and so much like true, sincere, like I care about you as a human, but I'm also taking your photo. Um, and seeing that I think makes you realize like these people that we kind of put on a pedestal of like the cream of the crop, like photographers of our time, um, have a slew of people that they, they have brought into their inner circle to help cultivate the work that now their name is on. Um, I, I look at guys like Chris Burkhart, you know, he's somebody that, that, I mean, every time he's posting something, when he's out on, on some kind of job, he's got four or five guys he's working with, you know, yeah. he's got a team around him. Even whenever he's in the studio working on stuff or back home working on stuff, he's got a group of people working with him on things. And that's not to take away from any of the work they're creating. That's, I mean, that's part of the process is you build a team around you to help develop you in the way that you want your work to develop and you as an artist to develop, you know? Um, so I, 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 I don't think that it's been lost. I just think that it's, there's a misunderstanding of what it takes to make good art. And I think the more people that you want to involve, um, the better, you know, but in a way that's actually like productive, it's one thing to post a picture and then ask everybody for their opinion on Instagram, but half of them are like, you're, parents, friends, or relatives, or, you know, that one guy you knew in college that decided to pick up photography as well. And so it's this, it's, it's one of those things that you have to kind of tread lightly and figure out like who you actually respect opinions from. Like I would much rather get an, I would much rather get an opinion from another creative. That's a negative opinion towards my work than a positive opinion towards someone that's just like, Oh, that's a pretty picture. 
you know? Um, so yeah, it's just, I, I, not to get long winded on it. That's, that's just a subject that I've honestly been more recently in the last year with COVID and all that stuff been really kind of digging back into like, how do I make the work that I create more meaningful? And, you know, that's like, how do I make my transactions with the people that I photograph more full body than just, I walk in, I photograph somebody, I create the work, I have it scanned or I have it edit or I edit it and all that, turn it over to the client, they produce it, whatever. Um, and I think it's that interaction with other artists that help. Cause I, I feel like I learn the most whenever I'm helping someone else learn. Um, so I don't know. I, it's, it's such a, it's an interesting thing. Cause I, I think, you know, relationships are what carry into your work as well. Cause like, I mean, you understand this with the food, like shooting culinary stuff, like it's a blast to talk to the chefs. Like it's really fun to learn about chefs and how their background and where they came from and how they're now sitting in this position, making these dishes and creating this work and developing this menu. Um, so yeah, I, 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 it's, it's always I digress. Whenever, no, no. Whenever you walk into a, you know, a, a commercial uh, food job, you know, you're, you're kind of, you walk in and you see a group of people and it's usually like the creative team or the creative director of this, middle middleman kind of organization but then like you know when you see the chef like the chef is like your your kindred spirit because they're the ones who are the creative people behind the product and it's your job to connect with that person um you know and i think a lot of times we have like this uh people pleasing mentality to where we need to we do need to please the people paying us for sure um but like how much more satisfied are you whenever it's like the chef is like reposting these photos and the chef mm-hmm. is really proud of the photos. And like, like a year later, the chef, you know, asks you to come back, you know, not through this middle right. person, but like directly. And like, that's just a satisfying feeling whenever you're able to like really connect with people yeah, uh, and not using, you know, not seeing this job is just a, you know, a way to make money, but it's a way to really connect with, the world around you. Um, that has been one of the most rewarding things about it has been to know these, know these culinary people, uh, know these chefs, know the history around, you know, I photographed, uh, for, um, uh, gosh, I can't remember the, the name of it right now, but, uh, I photographed this, this, uh, barbecue, um, I don't know what to call it, a pit master. And, uh, she's like a third generation, uh, pit master in Yazoo mm-hmm. city, Mississippi. So yeah. like, you're on like the, the, the heels of the Delta and like, like literally I think five months before the shoot, her dad had died mm-hmm. and just like seeing how that flowed into the conversation yeah, uh, was just, was something that if I'm honest, the temptation was to skip over it a bit because right. it was an emotional uh, weight. Um, but it's like, part of me is also like, man, if we skip over this, we're missing the whole point of the job right. for, is, is to capture yeah the truth behind, you know, she's, yeah, I mean, she's smoking a brisket for 15 hours, but it's like her dad taught her to do that, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's kind of, that's him. That's his legacy. And she's, yeah. yeah. And, Sorry, and getting to, no, getting to be, a, getting to see that legacy, you know, is just something that it's when you kind of like look up and you're like, man, I'm so thankful to do what I get to do. hundred um, percent. Yeah, you know, and you know, the, and anybody out there who is a, a commercial photographer knows that like that's maybe 5% of the work, you know, like, you know, 95% of the work for me, I've got two young children. And so like, and a, and a wife, and I'm thinking like, all right, I've got to put food on the table, <laughs> pay the, pay yeah. the mortgage, the dad stuff. And then, you know, hopefully I'll be able to land a, a job that is just one that really resonates with me. Um, yeah. You know, and, and the best photographers usually find ways to do both um, in her, are people who can take the uh, the less exciting things and make it exciting. Like that would be the right. best case scenario. But uh, so you talked about uh, third wave coffee. It's very interesting. I have um, like coffee has was like my first love. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, like eight years ago, you know, and I I could have seen myself doing uh, whether it was like behind the bar barista whatever. Mm-hmm to opening up my own shop. Like that was like something I always wanted to do. turns out one of my good friends ended up uh, starting a shop here in town. It was, it's pretty much Jackson's first third wave shop. 
Oh, um, rap. And it's, uh, it's, he just, he opened it like right as COVID landed. Uh, and so, but dude, they've, they've like made it through. Um, good. That's awesome. You know, they, they started by doing like coffee delivery mm-hmm. and then they started doing like, you drive up and we'll bring it out to you. And then as the, the mandates kind of relaxed a bit, they were able to, you know, have a certain amount of people in the shop and it just seeing it grow has been awesome. What about, uh, what about coffee for you was kind of like your entry level, your not entry level entry point into, uh, what you're doing now. I think, you know, it's funny cause I, uh, I, I always try to like figure out why I'm interested in certain things. Um, because then it helps me understand like why I spend the time and money and, effort to, you know, whether it be my hobbies or my passion or my art or whatever. Um, I think with coffee, a lot of it was just at the point in time that I got into it, it was like, that was the culture. Like that was, you know, that was what kind of brought people together is it was this idea of learning about coffees that are being sourced from different places, learning about how, you know, different roast times and, and, and then even learning that there's a, there are so many different brewing methods and then watching how people like would take those traditional brewing methods and manipulate them a little bit or, you know, change it from being a 12 cup to a six cup. And I think all of that just had me very interested in, you know, cause I liked talking with people about it. I also, it, it was kind of my first understanding of like good coffee. Cause up until that point it had all been like, in high school, I didn't touch coffee. It was like, ah, oh, whatever. Like, this isn't yeah. great. And yeah. then even into college, it was still one of those kind of things that I was like, ah, I'm not like, it doesn't, doesn't do a whole lot for me. Um, and then, yeah, I getting right out of college was whenever we like had some decent shops pop up and it was like the cool thing to do was, oh, I'm going to take my images that I shot. I'm going to take my laptop into a coffee shop, hang out eat a pastry, drink a coffee, make sure I get a photograph of my coffee and edit my photos. Like it, 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 it almost felt kind of like I was a part of that group of creatives that were working out of coffee shops and doing the, you know, Oh, I traveled to Portland. I'm going to hit all their coffee shops. Oh, I got to, yeah. you know, it was, it was kind of one of those like vacations were centered around like food and coffee, you know, right. like I, I can remember, my first trip out to Portland, it was with my brother and one of our closest friends and all of us are photographers and designers and video guys. And so it was very nice because all we literally did was spent five days walking around Portland, shooting, eating and drinking as much coffee. It was the first time I had experienced drinking too much coffee in a day. And I mean, I was like, I had had espresso, I had had Americanos, and by like 5 p.m., I was like, oh, I got the jitters right now. Like, this is... Yeah, I've been there, dude. <laughs> yeah. So that kind of was, I mean, it, it was just one of those things to where it always kind of played a part and a role in, like, whatever I was doing. Like, coffee was always there, and I mean, even still to this day, it's that way. When my wife and I travel, like, she's like, honestly, I'm going to leave it on you. She goes, you know food and you know coffee. Like, find those places and we'll, like, you know that kind of stuff. So yeah. no, I'm yeah. the same way, man. Whenever we travel, it's, we're looking for coffee and food places. And, you know, I feel like right now with having two young kids, it's, it's been, uh, I mean, it's definitely harder with, with traveling. Um, but a couple of years ago, uh, my wife and I were able to go out to uh, Portland Yeah, and we went to Portland and Seattle and, you know, visited all the major ones like Cova coffee. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, got yeah, to, yeah. we got to go to, uh, Gosh, what's the place in Seattle? Um, it has a really minimal look to it. I can't remember the name of it, but uh, oh, actually, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, um, I did a subscription to them for like a year. I cannot remember the name of it. Uh, but anyway, that like going to all these shops, and then uh, you know, I've actually been to several good ones in Texas. Uh, uh, Catalina in Houston was really awesome. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then uh, was it Merritt in Dallas? Was that what it was? Well, they might be in Dallas now. They're uh, originally from San Antonio, but they've they they're in Austin and Dallas now too. Yeah, so the coffee has just always been like a uh, a really easy entry point into finding like where like minded people might be, um, you know, or or like you know 
let's go find, you know, you're in a new town for a job and you've got like a couple hours to kill. Let's go find a good shop and chill yep. for, yeah. Uh, and, you know, I think, I think coffee for me was the, was something I didn't realize was going on in the background was like a love for those kinds of experiences was being, mm-hmm. uh, you know, fostered in me before I even realized what was going on. I just, I just thought I liked coffee, honestly. Yeah. You know? no, no, I hear you. I totally but like, hear you. But that coffee love has now like transitioned into like, you know, good whiskey and like mm-hmm. good wine and like really good bread. And it's like, there's kind of like a lot more going on there than I ever really, you know, considered. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. But uh, I want to ask you about uh, kind of your approach to uh, photography. Um, you know, we all love talking about gear. Um, I don't care who you are out there. Don't act like you don't like talk about gear. Um, but uh, so do you, do you shoot film now? I do. Actually, uh, it's kind of funny. Full circle. Um, I started in film and then always kind of found myself shooting film alongside all the digital stuff that I was shooting. And yeah. found myself like really trying to figure out a way to make my film work more uh for professional work um not necessarily that i didn't have it on my portfolio or anything like that but making making it more of like my workflow um and since then yeah i mean I, i i lean heavily on film with a lot of the work that i'm shooting and of course like anybody, I like to, I shoot my digital camera alongside at least the professional commercial stuff that I'm doing. Um, just because there are benefits to digital, you know, I mean, yeah. And there's a lot lot at stake on those jobs. Exactly. Exactly. When you've got a paying client that both is paying you for like your specific talents, but also they are in need of the work to be, crafted and and delivered and all that stuff without any hiccups like unfortunately you're like you understand this culinary clients aren't going to be super cool with a light leak across the middle of a dish like it just you know it it doesn't quite have the same effect as maybe if an editorial client was like hey we would love to do a portrait and you're like yeah i'm going to shoot portrait 800 on you know my medium format camera and get some real nice grit and grain to it it's just different Um, the sweet spot for me would be working into a position to where my clients are more hiring me to do like what I call cultural study pieces. So like environmental portraiture, and then alongside of that shooting dishes to where maybe when it comes to the, the, the dish images, you focus more on like shooting digital, but then we're shooting like back of house stuff. Or if you're shooting portraits, like you can shoot that on film and kind of like, molding those two together to to have a flow to where the way that you work with your digital images flows very similar to the way that you're producing, having your film, you know, process scan, things like that. Yeah. 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 That that's been the, the case for me. I feel like uh, this, this year has been really um, interesting for me uh, in that I've kind of had to make these decisions of like, how do I want film to be a part of my, um, my workflow. And I kind of just had to be really honest with myself and, um, you know, as if there's a pressure, like nobody's pressuring me to shoot film on a job. Right. It's, it's my own pressure. If yeah. anybody's. Um, but I kind of had to be honest with myself and say like, you know, I either have to charge three times what I'm charging, mm-hmm. um, to be able to shoot film because it's more expensive. Um, it's very risky. So I need to have an even better relationship with the lab. Yeah. Um, and I, I need to have more people to help me handle these uh, roles of film. Yeah. Uh, and so it's hiring more people. It's, it's a lot more time. And so f- for me, it kind of came to, you know, using film as a, an auxiliary um, form of shooting um, instead of a primary. And so shooting it, shooting it, you know, like, oh, there's a break in the day. I'm going to walk around with my uh, Pentax 6.7 and shoot some detail shots of this restaurant. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it'll be, if anything, it'll be more of like a, a gift to the client, more yeah. so, than, more so than like I'm going to charge them for this. It's not really like that. Um, you know, it's it's really hard to have it have like to make demands for my creative workflow um, if my clients don't really see it 
right. a special thing. Um, and so I've had, I've had a few clients, you know, say, we want you to shoot film on this just cause they, the creative director or somebody has a personal relationship with film or, right. Right, right, right. Creator, but you know, very seldom. So most of film that I'm shooting is, is all personal. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it would be a dream to be able to do a, like a long form environmental portrait kind of project with a six, seven and like a 35 millimeter camera. That would be, you know, a dream. And, you know, who knows one day maybe, but, um, but right now it's, it's been very, it's been very hard. Cause I feel like it's like my long love, like my long lost love. Mm-hmm. Of like a, yeah. You know, you know, that it's such a tangible, um, you know, art form. I've got a, you know, I've got cabinets full of scans from the last yeah. seven years. Um, and I've got hard drives full of files and like, <laughs> you know, it's, and so it's, it's like, it's not the same, but it is the same. And, you know, uh, what, what really did it for me was finding on Instagram, like these, these photographers who are in this industry. And, uh, there's a guy named Jason Varney. Um, I don't mm-hmm. know if you follow Jason. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He, he's Philadelphia based. And, uh, he's probably been one of like the biggest helps to me over the last few years. Uh, just always is willing to talk and yeah, he's incredibly talented. I, I yeah, he's insane. And, uh, but dude, like if you, if you like look at his work, a hundred percent natural light. Yeah. Uh, and which, which was a surprise to me. Cause it was just like, that's a lot of natural light. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And those are big clients that are depending on, you know, and so it's just, uh, you know, that he is somebody who is hired for his eye and what he does and, um, his own, you know, his own brand, so to speak. Um, you know, and I think he's probably, he's, he's, he's been doing this like for 15 years longer than I have. Yeah. So it's like, you know, there's, there has to be some respect for time, you know, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, someone who's been doing this for five years is not going to be in the same place as someone who's been doing it for 20. So mm-hmm. Jason has come out of having to shoot film into shooting digital. Yeah. 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 Um, but, but yeah, so that's, that's kind of the, just something I've been thinking about a lot lately is just, you know, how do I want to implement the kind of shooting that I love to do? Um, yeah. Yeah. And it's, I think the, the cool thing about film, um, and I don't know, I, I don't know your background in film, but I know for me, like I've kind of taken, it's, it's become this full cycle of like understanding film to where when I first got into it, um, I almost felt the need to have for everything to be precise for me to get a decent image out of film. Like, Oh, I didn't trust film. I knew that film, like there were too many mistakes that could happen in film that I had to be so on point where a digital camera, if you're a little over, a little underexposed, um, then full circle learning about like overexposure, learning about, um, you know, the development and scanning and, and all of that stuff. And then seeing how film is actually more like a living organism than like a digital images um, almost brought to life that there's a lot more that can be done with a film negative than even like a digital image. Um, And so learning that has definitely helped me um, be more at peace with integrating film into, um, into uh, my workflow. Um, And it's funny because whenever I first started shooting film and trying to integrate it into client work, I had shot, uh, whenever I was doing weddings, I had shot, uh, let's see, I had shot engagement photos with this couple, which now they're, we're best friends and, and I love them to death, but I had shot their engagement photos. They loved them. They were like, Oh, these are so awesome. Well, then I had got asked to shoot bridles and they were like, well, if you want, like feel free to shoot them medium format. Well, I shot them on my Hasselblad and still was very new to the whole like shooting on medium format, you know, looking through the viewfinder. Um, They just didn't come out well. I didn't know how to handle the film film well. I, 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 let's just say I was so focused on making sure that I shot the film right that I didn't even think about composition and all of that stuff. And, and so, you know, they had kind of responded with, they weren't happy with the images and all that stuff, which it's a learning curve, you know, and fortunately the great thing was, is because there was like a mutual friendship there. It wasn't as like uh, detrimental as if a random client was like, yo bro, you just blew like this whole shoot that we had set up, you know? Um, but it, it, 
was funny because I think without me even knowing it, it's kind of pushed me to understand film better to the point to where like I step out and I just do it. Like I know there's been just points and times in my life where I've been like, you know what, you just have to lean on film. Like at my wife and I's honeymoon, um, we went to Scotland for five days or six days, eight days, however many days, whatever. We went to Scotland and I told myself the two things I was going to bring was my Sony with one lens and then my my Leica, my M6. And I shot pretty much predominantly film. Like even whenever we walked through Edinburgh and things like that, like my M6 was on me, like nonstop. Yeah. Um, and what's crazy is even, even from that moment, like come to find out my light meter was a little off. So it wasn't reading things correctly and ended up sending all the rolls off. They said, Hey, we were able to save everything. We were able to bring it all back. And I still to this day, look at those images and love the work. Yeah. Um, and it was just, I guess, almost to the point to where I was like, it's either this or nothing. It helped me understand that like, all right, no longer is it one of those kind of like, I'm kind of shooting film i just kind of dove into it and did it you know yeah. wholeheartedly um even like our recent trip to georgia um we were up in the blue ridge mountains and i was like i didn't i was like i'll bring my digital camera just to have in case you know everything were to go to crap or something like that like i got my digital camera but i didn't pick it up almost the whole trip like everything was shot on film and i love the work so I think it's it's a process, you know. I Matt Day is a really good example of somebody that I love the way that he has taken these little bits and pieces of his life and like turned it into like like his way of letting film be what he leans on, you know. Like I mean, those little moments that I don't have kids, but I know just even in the last four years that my wife and I've been married, there's been little moments that I've taken with my film camera that. I, I will forever remember. And I love it because not all of them have been maybe as like as sharp or as perfect as a digital image would be, but there's some kind of story there that I don't think I could have um, nece necessarily executed with a digital camera. And, and, you know, it might all be me just kind of thinking that because I started in film and, but I don't know. There's a beautiful process to film that I don't necessarily get with digital. And that's that's just kind of the creative flow that I have. And so yeah, I want to integrate that more into my professional work. I'm the same way. Um, you know, there, there's a there's always like a, a yearning uh, for me when I'm shooting digital is like and, and I think what you're saying is absolutely true. Um, but I think like you have to remember there is a difference in your approach to whenever you're holding up a camera with 36 frames mm -hmm. limit or, you know, 12 frames limit or however yeah. many uh, based on your camera, like you shoot differently, you know, you're not, you're not shooting, yeah. um, you know, rapidly and you're not shooting as if someone's over your shoulder, like with a gun to your head, like shoot, you know, yeah. you're, you're not, you're not you, you just shoot differently and therefore you shoot more, um, you know, discriminately. You're not, you're not taking just random, you know, yeah. and so you're, you tend to be more happy with the outcomes, right? You actually, you know, fought for those moments. Yeah. Um, yeah. I recently, I recently, then this is a huge thing for me. I'd, I'd been wanting this camera for three years. Um, but I picked up a, a Leica M10 because I wanted to try to bridge that gap. That yeah. was the goal. Yeah. Um, film has gotten outrageously expensive. Um, <laughs> Like I, I bought some yesterday, and dude, like I really can't even justify buying uh, Portrait 400 anymore. Um, you know, it's fifty one dollars for a box. Yeah. Um, and so I've just been buying Kodak Color 200 Plus, which is yeah, that's good stuff. It's fantastic film. Um, yeah. And you know, but what I wanted to try to do was basically set the M10 to no, uh, you know, no playback. Yeah. And just put it on ISO 200 to 400 and just shoot it. Like I do a film camera and just kind of like experiment for a few months just to see if it's all in my head or if the photos on the film are just that much better. Yeah. Um, the things I've learned thus far is that I really don't enjoy editing these kinds of images. Um, yeah. I don't enjoy having to fight for the colors that I want. Um, cause I don't care what anybody says if it's Fuji, Canon, Nikon, whatever, like sometimes colors on a digital camera are just really bad. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and having to fight to pull those back is just really uh, it's time consuming. And, you know, it's not going to be as easy as just throwing them on an iPad and editing them. It just doesn't work that way all the time. Yeah. And so that, and that's just never been my skill set. You know, in a perfect world, I would have a color person that I just threw everything to and said, Hey, fix this, make this look amazing. But, you know, mm-hmm. uh, wanting to get better at it myself, you know, and so now I'm kind of vying between the place of 35 millimeter, uh, in my own life. And, you know, I have a, a, a film like an M camera too. Uh, and just trying to figure out which one I want to keep. Cause I, I yeah. don't think, I don't think I need both of them. Uh, yeah. you know, I need, I need one camera that I can rely on for, uh, trips and traveling and the occasional commercial thing. Um, but yeah, it's been a really unique process. I, I don't know how I feel about it yet. Yeah, no, I get it. Well, and that's, that I always tell people that's kind of, I think that is part of the, it's, it's finding that balance between always needing the new stuff, but also understanding like your workflow. And it's always interesting because I, I kind of laugh at myself and, and I just laugh at the industry too, because I go all the big names, Sony, Fuji, Canon, Nikon, all of that stuff. Like they're always shooting for bigger and better, which we love. I mean, anybody that's in, especially you and I, in the commercial world, like the idea of more megapixels, better low light, like all those things are great because that puts us in a position to be able to create an even more scenarios. Um, but I just, I laugh and I find it funny that you have artists that are creating some of the best work that I've ever seen. And they're creating with these 60, 70, 80 year old cameras. I mean, and, and you're kind of just going, you know, where's, where is there, I I guess at the end of the day, like where do I kind of just associate? And I actually watched a a video, a YouTube video earlier this morning and he was explaining, like, he was like, I'm not going to tell you what kind of gear kit you should have. And this was more of him explaining it to his YouTube group. And he was like, I can help you understand that there are certain things that you need to understand about yourself that will better the gear that you buy. So for instance, you and I might both love to shoot film, but a Pentax 6.7 may work perfect in your workflow. And it might be an, R, you know, an RZ or a Hasselblad because I see in square and you see in six, six by seven, you know, yeah. or, I mean, I look at guys like Andre Wagner and he is immensely talented. Like he's incredibly, incredibly talented. And I mean, the dude sees in 28, but any of his medium format stuff is still so on point. And I think what it is, is I think he is so confident in the way that he likes to create and the way that he sees that you can kind of hand him whatever tool and he'll create something great from it. Um, Because it was always funny, like following him over the last couple of years and being so used to seeing his black and white imagery that's like his more documentary street work. Um, And then periodically he'll post a color image. And I'm just like, these are insane. Like this is beautiful work. And it's so... It, it catches you off guard because you associate his name with something and then he posts something different, but you can tell that he's staying true to like how he creates. And so um, ah, digressing today, it just kind of helped reiterate that the, the tools that you love to create with or what will help you create the best work film or digital, um, yeah. which, you know, it's one of those kind of things that, you know, cause I, I, I'm kind of in your same boat. I shoot side by side. Like if like I've, I've been shooting a rodeo documentary and I shoot a Pentax six, seven and an M six. Uh, and I shoot all the color on my Pentax and then shoot all the black and white, like more of like document. I don't want to say street stuff cause it's not really street photography at a rodeo, but quick- yeah, exactly. Um, on my M six, um, with black and white. And so it's, it's interesting because whenever my buddy, we started this project before pre COVID and then we've kind of been able to pick it back up since the rodeo is opening back up and all that. Um, it's interesting because both of us started by shooting our digital cameras and having film as kind of like a side, as like a sidekick to it. Um, and him and I both have overshooting the last six months. Well, give or take cause with COVID, but um we've both realized that the digital stuff we were shooting, yeah, like we were able to execute it, but the voice of the documentary itself just fell short with the tools we were using. 
And a lot of that was just because in our eye and in, in the way that we were cultivating the personality of it, like, cause we're building this project to actually pitch for like a more like national campaign. Um, we just, we realized everything that was coming back on film landed where we wanted it to. The voice of it, the personality of the work, it had some grit, it had some grain. There wasn't this perfection to it. It was more almost kind of like, it was. they were like pieces of art rather than just a perfectly shot image of a bull rider coming out of the gate or, you know, uh, you know things like that. So it's, it's you know, it's, it's really fun to have people like yourself to talk about this with and in kind of back to our earlier conversation about the whole like mentorship and investing in people. And I think that's where Instagram, even to this day still has a little bit of that, that light that we all kind of fell in love with starting in Instagram years ago is um, it's very easy to connect with people like you and I literally connected via Instagram and through, um, you know, uh, I guess Corey's YouTube video and things like that. So you and I being in totally different States, hundreds upon hundreds of miles away from each other, we're still able to kind of come together and we can kind of geek out about gear, about like our process, about, um, you know, the personality of our work and, and how we want to carry that further. And so I just love that film, Instagram, things like that, as much as people want to say their trends and, and all of that have open the doors to bring more conversation about work and about gear and all of that stuff. You know, like you you look at guys like Ansel Adams, like he spent most of his times in the woods, you know, with his four by five camera and probably didn't talk much gear to people. But the thing is, is that we all can talk more about the way that he created and then use those things that we both understand and take from his work. And together we're growing by admiring his work. And so, I don't know, it's just this whole, it's like a very like deep pool of, oh man, conversations and trial and errors. And, and I don't know how many times I've had five minute conversations with somebody and they've said one thing about how they handle their film different. And I'm like, oh, I've never done that. And I try it. I'm like, oh, this is definitely something that's part of my workflow now. Like without a doubt, we'll not, not do that from here on out. Um, So yeah, I, I think it's, I love what film has done and film cameras have done because I, I'm kind of going off on a tangent, but I think they open up conversation that was lost, that gets lost with everybody having the nicest new camera, you know, because mm-hmm. I don't know how many times I've been sitting in coffee shops whenever I had like my Sony and things like that. And people wouldn't, wouldn't take the time to have a conversation, but I've been sitting there and had someone walk up from behind, tap me on my shoulder, want to have a conversation about my M6 um, I had a gentleman the other day who was sitting outside of a coffee shop having coffee and he had his camera slung on his shoulder. And, um, I said, Oh, you, you know, you shoot, you shoot Leica or, Oh, you shoot film. And he says, yeah, this is actually one of like five cameras I have at home. And he was an older gentleman. And he goes, I honestly, I've been shooting it my entire life because I don't think there's another camera I'd want to want to have, you know, and that's not, that's not me talking about like, like a fanboying or anything like that. It's more so just the culture behind what, seeing you know these tools in the beauty and craftsmanship of these tools almost coming back full circle to be you know iconic in a way you know like they're there i i think that being a part of like shooting on a film camera brings something to my work that makes me feel kind of tied to the past while also being able to like be in the present and create in the present um so, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think the whole film versus digital debate, a lot of it is just kind of how you look at it and how you, you know, because um, it really is. I, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. It's it's just it's a whole pool of ideas and concepts and perceptions. And yeah, I don't think I'll ever make the decision. I, I like I know being, I like I like being in limbo, um, you know, because it, it keeps me from choosing a decision just because like, it's like a prideful decision. Like, no, yeah. only shooting. you know, it's like at the end of the day, like I need to be a versatile photographer if I'm going to be able to uh, provide for my family, you know, because there's, there's another person down the road who will, you know, compromise a bit on his workflow desires for the sake of, you know, being able to yeah. earn a living. And so at some point you have to just be, you know, reasonable. Um, 
and, and that's kind of where I'm at. It's like, it's much more reasonable for me to shoot medium format right now than it is for me to shoot 35 millimeter. Yeah. And, you know, I, I picked up my uh, six, seven for the first time in like three months uh, this past week and just drove around, uh, you know, different parts of the outskirts of town and just made some photos. Cause it, you know, if I ever share them, I don't probably won't, but it was just a great feeling just to get back out there mm-hmm. and remember that like, the the work that I'm doing is first founded on this like love for the craft itself. Yeah. Yeah. So, like even if I'm making like garbage images, like at least I'm having fun. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, you know, enjoying doing and, you know, as, as it's always fun talking to married guys or uh, girls and uh, people with kids, different responsibilities. Um, Cause it's man, it is so hard to just like leave, you know, I, I made this point to some friends of mine, photographers, uh, some Canadian guys. And, um, you know, one of them has older kids. The other one has no kids. And it's like, like I, I haven't had a golden hour, uh, free in two years. Yeah. Whenever it's golden hour, that's like dinner time and bedtime. Right. And right. Right. You're juggling a lot more than just when you're going to get out there. And, you know, before we had kids, it was like, you know, I would just tell my wife, Hey, you know, to go, out here to the country and grab a, you know, a sunset, but it's like, and you can still do those things, but it takes a lot more. Um, And and I don't want to complain. I'm very thankful, you know, for this season of my life, but at the same time uh, you do miss being able to just be able to go, you know, Uh, you just miss that. And, uh, but you know, one of the people that I interviewed um, on the first season was uh, Aline Smithson uh, and she, she made the incredible point to uh, make your subject what's happening under your roof at any given mm-hmm. point. Yeah. You know? And in, in 15, 20, 35 years, uh, I want to be able to look back and say, like, I made the most of it instead yeah. of wishing we could be somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, but like having thousands of photos of my girls at their earliest uh, ages, man, I'll, I'll, I'll never regret that, you know? Yeah. And so, so now my, my whole subject right now is just my family. <laughs> no, and, I get it. I get it. You know, these aren't images that I'm going to necessarily, you know, share. and But they're images that I'll print and they're images that I'll uh, have in my home and be able to share with family for years. And so it's no regrets kind of mentality. It's just like a, you know, yeah. shoot what you have in front of you. And uh, regardless of the, the tool or the gear, um, you know, just to, to make art and to enjoy what you're doing. And I think yeah. that's, the, that's the whole point, you know, to forget about the gear chase for a minute and think about who you are, what kind of work you're, you're wanting to shoot, what actually makes sense and just go after that. Um, yeah. yeah, it's, yeah, okay, yeah. it's okay to be pragmatic in that way, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, well, man, thank you so much for jumping on. This has been an awesome Yeah, dude. I appreciate it so much. I feel like I, uh, I want to go like, uh, shoot the Jackson radio now or something. Dude, <laughs> wanna... Hey, I'll tell you what, it's a, it's an experience. I mean, that's a, that's a culture in itself. And I grew up on a horse ranch, but we didn't do any kind of, kind of cowboy stuff. It was more of riding and my mom bred horses and things like that. Uh, no rodeo stuff. I mean, and uh, yeah, it's a man, it's a, it's a subculture in itself. And it is, it's, I mean, watching these 13 year old kids crawl up on a 2000 pound animal and it's mad, you know, or it's being, it's I had a lot more, a lot more respect for that than a lot of things. It's, it's, it's a sight to see for sure. Man, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, what you're creating and just the next seasons. And I'm, I'm hoping that the project you're talking about pitching, man, like can't wait to see that whenever that uh, comes. To we'll fruition. see, man. Yeah, I know. I appreciate that a lot. It's uh, you know, I've realized one of the best things that I learned over the last couple of years is somebody said, never allow yourself not to have personal work, um, Mm -hmm. small or large, whether it be, you know, a small, like what you're talking about, like documenting your home, documenting your family to, um, you know, bigger long-term projects and long-term, you know, things that you're working on. And so it's been really like nice to have that, like these, these goals that, you know, if I'm, dealing with a really like needy client or something like this, it, it kind of helps keep that balance. So yeah, I, I appreciate that a lot. And, and um, yeah, thankful to, to have someone to, to chat all the fun things with. Yeah. 
Well, man, I'll see you on the next time. Hey, where can people, uh, before we hit stop here, uh, where can people find you? Online? Yeah, so on Instagram, I'm at Travis Hallmark, H-A-L-L-M-A-R-K. Um, and then my website is just travishallmark.com. Easy enough. Travis, yeah. thank you so much for jumping on, man. Yeah, Talk thanks, Andrew. All right, bye.